Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe, joined this week by Ida Waringa in Nairobi, Kenya and by Stuart Weir. And with this week's show, we look at the challenge that many players face of being in the squad but not getting in the starting lineup much. We hear from Nigeria midfielder John Ogu, who went to the World Cup last year but didn't get to play and only had 45 minutes of game time with the Super Eagles at this year's Africa Cup of Nations. It's kind of, you know, weighing me down because I'm not, I'm not, I feel like I'm not a lazy player. I'm not that type that is just contented with, you know, sitting out. Also, a great week for African players in the UEFA Champions League, and we look at how things are shaping up in the English Premier League. But let's start with the CAF Champions League, as the places in the group stage were decided last weekend, and it makes for very interesting reading, as North Africa dominates once again, while Southern Africa has a very respectable five teams in the final 16. Uh, there are two from Central Africa, that's TP Mazemba and AS Vita from DR Congo, and there are no teams from West Africa and no teams from East Africa. Now, there were three from the West last time. One of them was Horoya of Guinea, who were knocked out on penalties this time by J.S. Kabili of Algeria and former Giants Ayimba of Nigeria and Asante Kotoko of Ghana both failed to make it. Now one game is not decided yet as Generation Foot of Senegal refused to play away to Zamalek of Egypt as the date and venue was changed at short notice and Zamalek are likely to be awarded the tie. That would make nine North African teams. Let's start with West Africa, Ida. Very surprising there are no teams from the West in the group stage. Well... It might be a bit surprising, Steve, but the thing is that once you actually talk to the people on the ground, then you do realize that the situation isn't quite as surprising as we may think. And an important question that needs to be asked is that, is this all a sign of uh, the declining quality of the leagues? And not just in West Africa, but generally across different parts of the continent, because Kotoko couldn't even take advantage of the fact that they were one man up. And another big problem is away form, because you could see that Kotoko won 2-0 at home and then went away and lost it 3-0, ended up losing it 3-2 on aggregate. And I'm going to put it down to psychology as well, because I think it's a serious mindset problem. Because by the time, Steve, that the Kotoko coach is saying, you know, look, the Confederation Cup might just be the right level. The CAF Champions League is a bit high, but, you know, let's drop to the second tier. And I think that level suits my team a bit better. Two sides to the coin here, Steve, because some people might say that the coach was just being realistic, but I choose to look at it from a different way because, you know, what sort of message really is he trying to pass on to the team? It's it's pessimistic, it's negative, and it, it just shows the team that, look, it might be okay to be a bit mediocre. And as for Nyimba from Nigeria... I mean, a team, Steve, can only be as good as its supporting structures. And we all know the situation that's been there in the Nigerian Professional Football League. You know, it's on now, it's off then. You know, it's almost at the whim of uh, certain individuals. And you can imagine what that does to player mentality, player motivation. As for Horoya, Steve must be disappointing and especially when we talk about a team losing out on penalties because you know penalties can go either way but I think for Horoya 
you know, I don't think it really diminishes anything they've done prior to this. Because if you remember, they did get to the quarterfinals of the CAF Champions League last year. They were the team that um, actually bundled out Orlando Pirates. So I will just put it on tough luck this time round. And I still believe that we can see something of all these teams in the CAF Confederation Cup. So bound to be interesting as well, Steve. Yes, and I've tipped Horoya of Guinea to become a major force in African football as they have a squad with players from all across the continent but not making it to the group stage this time. Uh, Southern Africa has done really well with five teams, Zimbabwe's FC Platinum getting there for the second time in a row. East Africa had Simba of Tanzania in the group stage last time and they got all the way to the quarter-finals. This time they went out in the preliminary round to Songo of Mozambique on away goals. Uh, So this time no East Africans in the group stage, Aida. So what's happening there? Yeah, definitely. Things not looking too good for the teams from East Africa. And, you know, with uh, Simba, despite it being uh, a Tanzanian team, there's still lots of Kenyan interest in it because uh, Francis Kahata, who is a Kenyan player, plays in the national team as well, was in the Nations Cup, plies his trade in Simba. And he just went there, you know, within the last season. So, you know, I'm sure he was hoping to get top tier continental football action. That doesn't look like it will be happening, at least for this season. I think for Simba, Steve, uh, they did get their tactics wrong because I think that they might have gotten some hope after the nil-nil draw. And, you know, it's it's huge for a team like that to get an away draw. And they probably thought that they would kill off the game in the return leg when it went to their home ground and probably thought that things would be easier. But you see, you never really know because it ended up being 1-1. They lost out on the away goals rule. And I think the one lesson that not just them, but a lot of African teams can learn from this is kill off the game when you can. And uh, as for the Kenyan team, Steve, uh, Gorma here, I think two things constantly prove to be the undoing of this team continentally. It has to be their waveform that we talked about earlier, because I remember there was huge shock, you know, across the continent last season when uh, Gorma here beat Zamalek 4-1 in Nairobi. But then they didn't move on to the next round because they went to Egypt and got thrashed. And it, it just goes to show you about the psychology and the mindset, because if you can beat a Zamalek 4-1 in your home ground, why shouldn't you be able to go and get a result, you know, in Egypt? So it's totally psychological. And um, other than the away form, I will also put it down to lack of competition at home because Gorma here are constantly, constantly winning the domestic league in Kenya. There's not a lot of competition for the team and they're normally buoyed by that. And then they go into the continental football action and then, you know, they really that's where they really meet their match. And, you know, long story short, I do think that situations like these, Steve, inadvertently give a lot of ammunition to, you know, the Chan critics who say that there isn't too much to be said about locally based players. And that's why you see a lot of people, you know, preferring the Nations Cup, let's say, to the African uh, Nations Championship, the Chan. But there is still lots to be said about uh, players plying their trade within Africa. Some of the leagues are brilliant and I'm sure that it will be an interesting CAF Champions League. 
Yes, it will. Well, thanks, Ida. Do stay with us uh, now here on Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport, to the challenge that many players face of being in the squad but not getting in the starting lineup much. Nigeria midfielder John Ogu. At national team level, it's been very hard for Ogu, who went to the World Cup in Russia last year but didn't get to play. This year he went to the Africa Cup of Nations in Egypt and while Nigeria played seven games, Ogu only featured in one of them, playing the first half against Madagascar and then being substituted. Now the giant midfielder is 31. He spoke to Planet Sport Football Africa's Oluwashina Okaleji about the frustration of being on the sidelines with the Super Eagles. It's difficult to take, you know, but um, I don't know, man. I just, I just I don't have any words, you know. I just feel like... Um, I just try as much as possible to, you know, to be patient. I just try as much as possible to, to stay focused, try to work hard. You know, it's always difficult, you know, because as players, you know, we, we always want to be on the pitch, you know. But, um, you know, me finding myself at the time on the bench um, is something that I, I'm not really used to as a football player, you know, but um, um, I can't really do anything now. Instead, I'll just, you know, keep believing, keep working hard, keep um, hoping that, you know, someday, I get the chance to really show that I am capable, you know. But um, yeah, it was a big experience for me at the last World Cup. I didn't get a minute, but I got a minute against Madagascar, and we, you know, I got just 45 minutes, and then we lost that game, 2-0. People say a lot of things, you know, accusing me, but you know, it's part of those things in football. You know, I'm used to criti- criticism. You know, um, it doesn't move me that much. You know, I just stay f- focused. You know, I try to you know help my team fight. Um, but you know, yeah, it's just not, not happening now. But um, I just keep keep working. I'll, I'll try and stay focused you know, to the end. A lot of people back home believe that look, it's not because you're not good enough. It's just because of sometimes that is the is, the, is actually is the call of the coach. The coach makes the call and decides. How difficult is it for you to take every match day? You keep training, and then the coach just say you start from the bench. That's what I'm saying. You know, like I'm not used to, you know, sitting out. You know, I've, I'm, when I, I moved to Israel, for for example, and I played um, regularly for five years, and then um, you know every time I get the chance to, you know, to be invited, you know, to the national team, um, and then I don't play. You know, and sometimes you know, it's kind of you know weighing me down because I'm not, I'm not. I feel like I'm not a lazy player. I'm not that type that is just contented with you know sitting out. But I still feel like it's the decision of the manager. You, I am. I am never going to question the manager. I'm never going to insult anyone. I'll just, you know, try to stay focused. And um, it is a, it is a decision that I respect the most, you know, in, in football. Because if I, if I disrespect the manager's decision, I'm as well dis- disrespecting my, t- my fellow teammates. And um, I'm happy for everyone, you know, doing well. Um, the boys are really doing good. The guys who are playing are really doing well. Um, I have maximum respect for everyone. Um, but I'll just keep working because I've always known hard work all my life. So um, I believe in myself. I still feel like I'm, I'm healthy. I'm strong. I still feel like I, I'm, I'm, I'm strong enough to play any in any 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 game. I've played tough games in my life, and I and I won the battles, you know. So, so I feel like it's just all up to the manager, you know. But like I said, you know, I respect his decision. I will always respect his decision, and I'll never, you know, try to be rude and try to disrespect anyone. Because for me, um, the country is very, means a lot, you know. Nigeria is blessed with so many talents, you know. But I just want them to understand that I am not the type of player that is comfortable just, you know, sitting, watching, you know, getting bonuses and all that. You know, I want to play. I want to help. I want to bring in my experience to help 
I want to win, I want to score goals, I want to put smiles on people's faces. But unfortunately, it's not happening. But um, yeah, and I'm happy that so many people back home, you know, respect the fact that I am humble and patient and all that, you know. So yeah, this get, gets me going, you know, because I, I feel like so many followers, fans who support me, they are, you know, they appreciate my attitude and all that. So that means a lot to me. So. Yeah, so frustrating stuff. That is John Ogu of Nigeria, who's now playing in India and are struggling to get game time with the national team. Speaking there to Oluwashina Okaleji. Our European football expert Stuart Weir joins us, uh, not from the UK as usual, but from Doha in Qatar, where he's at the World Athletics Championships. And we'll talk about Qatar next week as the country will host the 2022 FIFA World Cup. Uh, But Stuart, whether it's national team or club level, many players are in the same situation as Ogu, not getting to play as much as they would like. Steve, it's certainly a bit warmer in Qatar than I'm used to. But I totally understand John's frustration. But I'm afraid it's just part of modern football. And I hope I don't sound too much like a dinosaur saying this. But when I was young, there was just the league and the FA Cup and no substitutes. There were 42 league games and it was quite normal for five or six players for a club to play 40 of those 42 games. But now, all the top Premier League players are playing in the league, the FA Cup, the League Cup, the Champions League or the Europa League. And the result is that clubs have big squads. I mean, Manchester City, for example, have 38 professional players in their first team squad, Manchester United 37. And each of those two clubs have five professional goalkeepers. And that doesn't count the youth team, the under 18s, under 21s and so on. So the reality is that if you play for a big Premier League club, there are going to be around 20 players who are not even in the matchday squad on any given day. And of course, only 11 of those can be starting. I mean, I remember talking to Martin Yall when he was manager of Tottenham. And he said his biggest problem as a manager was how do you keep those 10 or 15 players happy if they're not even in the squad? I suppose, too, we have to remember that football is about a career, not just a game. And a player's career can be very short. And so he may need to earn enough money for the rest of his life from it. So if you're a Manchester City player and you're being paid, say, $50,000 a week and you're not playing much, you have a choice. Would you rather go to a championship club or go abroad, play every week and perhaps earn half the money you're getting at Manchester City or stay there? I think a lot of players see football as a career and are willing to accept a less interesting job, if I could put it like that, because of the money they're earning. But I also think that players have a great self-belief. I remember interviewing Tim Howard when he was the second goalkeeper at Manchester United behind Edwin van der Sar. I asked him how he felt about knowing that he would only play when van der Sar was injured. He told me he didn't accept my analysis and without any arrogance told me that he thought he was a better goalkeeper than van der Sar and that he would soon become the number one at Manchester United playing every week. And I think that kind of self-belief, often in addition to the money, makes a player stay at a top club believing that they will break through. And it was interesting at the beginning of this season that Fabian Delft decided to leave Manchester City and go to Everton, undoubtedly for less money, because he wanted to play more. He had been a valuable squad player at Manchester City, but probably only started about half the games. And he said he wanted to keep his place in the England team and thought to do that he needed to be playing more. 
So if you look at the top clubs, especially those in the Europa League, you can almost see two quite separate teams. They pick the strongest team for the Saturday Premier League game, but for the midweek League Cup or Europa League, you may have seven or eight changes. And I think there are players at top clubs who have accepted that they're not going to be first choice and play in the top league games, but they'll play most of the cup ties. But it certainly is an irony that you become a professional footballer because you love to play football. And when you achieve that dream, you earn a lot of money, but you don't actually play very much. Ironic indeed. Well, thanks, Stuart. And Ida, you recently told us about Victor Wanyama, the Kenyan. Seems like he preferred to stay at Tottenham and get paid lots of money despite having little game time rather than going to Club Bruges in Belgium. For Victor, as we discussed uh, a couple of weeks ago, you know, his family was also reportedly said to be heavily involved in his uh, potential transfer between Tottenham and Club Bruges, where he was going to take that pay cut. And yes, the move didn't go through. But if you've noticed, I mean, it's not like he was getting too much game time anyway last season um, on account of his injury, but it's become even considerably less so this particular season. John Ogu, at least going by, you know, what he says there, it seems his mentality is very, very different. You know, he's still, he's 31 years old, still very much wants to be on the pitch. But I love his attitude, positive mentality. And sometimes it's just about biding your time. And it's a similar situation, I would say, albeit um, this one is on club level for Alex Iwobi as well, where we saw he made the huge decision you know, to leave his boyhood club, Arsenal, to go to what many arguably would say is a relatively smaller club, Everton. But I remember a quote, Steve, from, um, you know, Iwobi's transfer, where he said that something that attracted him to Everton was uh, the manager telling him that, look, there's a sport for you here. We'll take care of you here, you know. And you would imagine that those are all the things that a player wants to hear. And uh, don't forget that Iwobi's case is a bit different because he's much younger. And uh, you look at it and you would probably ask yourself, if I'm not going to get game time now in my 20s, you know, when am I really going to get it? Yes, it's a tough one for players and Alex Iwobi, one who opted for the game time, unlike Victor Wanyama. Thanks for that, Ida. This is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. You can download our app and listen to the show anytime and access past programmes in our archive. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can also listen on our New Look website, that's planetsport.tv. Our other shows are there too, that's Planet Sport and the Planet Sport Rugby Podcast, a daily podcast coming from the Rugby World Cup in Japan. Well, next here on the show, we turn to social media. Last week, there was plenty of controversy over the best FIFA football awards that were handed out, with Lionel Messi taking the best player award. The FIFA FIFA Pro Men's World Eleven team had no African players, even though Mohamed Salah and Sadio Mane had come fourth and fifth in the points totals when the top ten was selected. Of the three forwards chosen were Messi, Ronaldo and Kylian Mbappe, but should Salah or Mane have been there? Well, this topic really caught your interest. We had another huge response. We'll try and get through as many of your comments as possible, but apologies, we don't get to read yours out. So here's Planet Sport Football Africa's Adrian Barnard with your reactions. Well, thanks, Steve. And we start today with Makondo Harawa in Malawi, who says, 
I feel very bitter that no African player was in the World eleven when Salah and Mane had that brilliant season. Among the forwards, Messi, Mbappe and Ronaldo all had a great season, but Salah and Mane won the Champions League, so either one or both of them deserved something in that World eleven. Stanley in Ghana says FIFA were not fair to Sadio Mane especially. He was the more deserving player than Salah. Ronaldo even shouldn't have been there. It should have been Mane together with Mbappe. To the Gambia now and establisher Rael says maybe Mane but Salah doesn't deserve to be in the top 15 this year. And Samba Jawo also in the Gambia agrees. I believe one of them should have been there, especially Mane, as he was outstanding throughout last season, says Samba. Dan Ogega is in Kenya. I think the two both deserved a chance, given their exploits in both the Premier League and the Champions League, says Dan. So far, that was their best season together, and the Champions League triumph was the icing on the cake. They have a strong case compared to the likes of Ramos, Marcelo and Modric, all of whom made the World Eleven team. And some strong words now from Ibrima Cham in the Gambia. I'm totally devastated about this whole so-called FIFA awards, says Ibrima. There's no justice at all. In fact, just call this the Messi Awards. The whole of FIFA is absolutely a joke. Mohamed in Sierra Leone agrees. FIFA is killing football for us, says Mohammed. How can you continue rating Messi as the best player in the world when you have other players who've done so well for the past three seasons? Lamine Cham in Congo Brazzaville is also very frustrated. Westerners are making it clear to us that they've invented this game and it totally belongs to them, says Lamine. Let them try to compare Salah and Mane's performance to that of George Weyers in 1995 when he won the world's best player title, but they're not going to give it to any Africans anymore, so it's really trying my patience, says Lamine. And here's Abrima Kante in The Gambia, who agrees with Lamine. Well, I was even surprised why Mane was not in the FIFA Pro 11, because based on performance last year, he deserved to be part of the best 11. But I am not surprised because I believe most of their deselection at FIFA level is never fair. They don't consider African players that much. And that needs to be changed. But all in all, I believe Messi deserves to be the best player. He deserves it. So Abrima there accepts that Messi was the standout player, but wondering why Sadio Mane wasn't included in the World Eleven team. And here now is Frida Vehenda Akachi in Kenya, who says the two players, Salah and Mane, should have been listed as one way for the world to appreciate that Africa does have good players. I feel African players are being neglected and need to be given a chance, says Frida. But Alhagi in the Gambia takes a different view. I would prefer Salah to be in Mbappe's position in the World Eleven. But Messi and Ronaldo are irreplaceable. We Africans should stop having this mind always that Europeans keep fighting us, says Alhagi. And Modu GJ Colley, also in the Gambia, sees a bigger picture. To me, it's not too bad when neither Salah nor Mane makes it to the top three, says Modu, because, to be honest, Messi and Ronaldo are still good. 
But I believe in two years' time we won't be talking about Messi or Ronaldo anymore. Then it will be all about Salah, Mane and the other young players instead. And finally, Abdullah Kebe in The Gambia sounds a lone voice this week when he says, No, it is right that Salah and Mane were not included in the World Eleven because neither are better forwards than the trio of Ronaldo, Messi and Mbappe. So there you are, Steve, trying to decide whether Mo Salah and Sadio Mane are better than Messi and Ronaldo may be a personal or a subjective choice, but the absence of African players in the FIFA World Eleven team does seem to be an issue that's not going to go away. Thanks, Adrian. A lot of strong opinions there. And uh, to clarify, according to the FIFA website, the World Eleven is decided by the players for the players and involves votes from thousands of professional footballers from across the world. And during voting, FIFA says the players each select one goalkeeper, four defenders, three midfielders and three forwards. Let's go to the UEFA Champions League now and a very strong showing from African players in terms of goal scoring on match day two as Liverpool beat her Red Bull Salzburg 4-3, two goals for Mohamed Salah and one for Sadio Mane as the Reds gave their fans a nail-biting time, racing into that 3-0 lead only for Salzburg to level it at 3-all and then Salah going on to get the winner. Atraf Hakimi scored twice with Borussia Dortmund in their 2-0-1 over Slavia Prague. Hakimi in the Morocco national team. Uh, Tammy Abraham was on target for Chelsea as they beat Lille by two goals to one. It's not clear at all as to whether we can refer to Tammy Abraham as an African player or not. He said that he might choose to play for Nigeria, but uh, England have put him in a provisional squad as they try to get his services, given his great form right now for the Blues. Ajax won 3-0 away to Valencia and Hakim Ziyech of Morocco got a superb long-range goal there. Uh, for Club Bruges, well, they nearly shocked Real Madrid, drawing 2-2 away at the Bernabeu. Percy Tau of South Africa had a fantastic game there and there were two goals for Emmanuel Bonaventure Dennis, the Nigerian, and he did bundle them in uh, rather ungracefully, but uh, they counted nonetheless. Uh, for Red Star Belgrade, Richmond Barke of Ghana was on target as they beat Olympiacos 3-1. And another Ghanaian scoring was Thomas Partey for Atletico Madrid in their 2-0 win over Lokomotiv Moscow. So uh, very good going from the African players in terms of goal scoring in the Champions League. Right in the English Premier League, Liverpool-Leicester on Saturday is the standout game this weekend. It's first against third and a Stuart Leicester doing really well. Leicester have been the surprise team of the season. Amazingly, they're in third place and just two points behind Manchester City. Last Saturday's 5-0 win over Newcastle, albeit a Newcastle United team reduced to 10 men by a first-half red card, but that was Leicester's 10th league win in their last 18 games since Brendan Rodgers was appointed last February. And only Manchester City and Liverpool have actually accumulated more Premier League points than Leicester in that time. Certainly the coming game at Liverpool will test Leicester City. And don't forget the extra significance for Rodgers, who's returning to Liverpool, where he was manager until he was fired in 2015. And it's also interesting to note how the Leicester playing squad has changed totally since they were league champions a few years ago, with only Casper Schmeichel and Jamie Vardy from that team still in the starting lineup. Now, tongue-in-cheek, last week I picked out West Ham Bournemouth as the game of the weekend. 
A draw leaves West Ham currently in fifth. Certainly, that's a better position than many of us would have expected. But a 1-1 home draw with Arsenal has left Manchester United in 10th place, and that is officially their worst start for 30 years. Now, I know that Jose Mourinho is not an unbiased commentator, having been fired by Manchester United himself, but it's hard not to agree with his analysis that United are getting worse rather than better, with just two wins in seven league games, needing penalties to beat Rochdale in the League Cup, and only beating Astana Kazakhstan in the Europa League by a late goal. And if the season actually ended tomorrow, Steve, United wouldn't even qualify for the Europa League, let alone the Champions League. Inevitably, Arsenal's equaliser at Manchester United was scored by Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, and that's his 14th goal in his last 14 starts in the Premier League. And dare I say it, equally inevitably, the goal was offside, disallowed and overruled by VAR. Oh yes, the VAR giving us so many talking points in the English Premier League this season. Thanks, Stuart. That's it for this week. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare, from Ida Waringa in Nairobi, from Stuart Weir currently in Doha, Qatar, and from Adrian Barnard in the UK, thanks a lot for listening. And Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.